Hello to everyone tuning into the Highly Optimized podcast today. My name is Ryan Sprague, and throughout this podcast, I will be showcasing individuals who are living a life beat to their own drum, sharing their stories, and revealing their valuable information for each one of you listeners on how you can effectively take life into your own control, what steps to take to create your own path, and how to maximize your results in manifesting your dreams in this reality. Gracing the podcast today is a woman who means the absolute world to me. Not only has she helped me evolve into the person I am today, but she has been a constant source of support and love since the first day I met her. She has a passion for women's health and nutrition, having graduated with a bachelor's degree in nutrition from UMass Amherst, is currently in training to become a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, and is the owner and operator of Body by Food, which seeks to help chronically stressed women beat the bloat and balance their hormones. Please help me in giving a very warm welcome to a woman who continually shows me what it means to put love first in each thing you do in life. A woman who bestowed upon me the wonders of espresso, and most importantly, the woman who I am lucky enough to call my partner in crime in life, Rachel Veritimos. Oh, that was so sweet. Thank you. Well, I mean, we both listen to Impact Theory, so oh. I had to do a Tom Bill you interview for you. <laughs> and I love you. You're the best. Thank you. I love you too. Oh my God. So <laughs> I'm so excited to have you on today. We've been talking about this for a long time, and you've done so much this year for Body by Food that I thought we could start out by telling all the listeners uh, a little bit about your story, how you got started. Um, I know you have a great story of growing up, um, how you struggled with weight loss. And so, yeah, why don't we just start there? Yeah, so I always tell people that my health journey began when I was only nine years old. Um, So around then, I was really overweight. I remember going to the doctor, and at that time, my doctor said to my parents, your daughter is now clinically obese. She needs to lose some weight. Um, You guys need to figure this out. So my mom brought me to tons of doctors. They put me on all these, like, holistic pills. They did – she brought me to every doctor you can think of, like, regular doctors, functional, holistic doctors – crazy doctors, who knows, um, no one, they could not figure out why I was overweight. And I myself did not know why I was overweight. Um, but the truth was that I was a really anxious and depressed kid and I grew up closet eating and I would have a meal. And then when my parents weren't looking, I'd eat pop tarts and chicken nuggets and more mac and cheese. And I would closet eat basically. And I didn't realize that that's why I was overweight. And over time, I gained, like, my anxiety grew. I would hide from hanging out with friends. And I associated being overweight with not having friends. And I thought that if I was ever going to have friends and be happier, then I was going to have to lose the weight. So one day I was looking through a bunch of, like, videotapes my parents had on sleepaway camps. Um, And one stood out to me. It was a weight loss camp called Camp Shane, and it's in Maine. Uh, that so, rhymes too, so it's pretty cool. Yeah. Camp Shane in Maine. It's not in, oh wait, no, it wasn't in Maine. It was in the Catskills, New York. Oh, I lied. It. I was <laughs> thinking in Maine because you were just talking about me yeah. <laughs> before this episode. <laughs> but yeah, so it was in the Catskills, New York, and they claimed if you went for six weeks, you'd lose 23 pounds or 20 pounds. So I said to my parents, I want to go for six weeks. Um, and I went and I lost 23 pounds, but I was a really picky eater at the time. So I didn't really eat a lot of the food they had at the camp. Um, If anything, I kind of didn't eat much at all. And I did lose the 23 pounds in six weeks, but I didn't lose it healthfully. And what that taught me was a really unhealthy pattern, which was if I don't eat, I will lose weight and I will lose weight faster than everyone else. And that just kind of set me up for a long, long journey to where I am now. 
So when I came back from that, I did have more energy. I had more confidence um, and I did end up gaining more friends because I felt better about myself. So that further solidified my feeling that I needed to be skinny to have friends. So then I went through this whole battle of yo-yo dieting for about 17 years uh, trying all these different diets, obsessing over food, using food as a crutch when I didn't feel good. Um, so yeah, so I, I wanted to go to school for nutrition, uh, college for nutrition, because I wanted to help other kids lose weight. Because even though I wasn't in a healthy mindset at the time, in my mind, I was an overweight child who lost weight. And I wanted to teach other overweight people to lose weight. So I went to college, I still had that messed up mindset. Um, and it wasn't until my senior year of college when I took a mindful eating course that I, and it's all around um, people with eating disorders too. And I realized I had disordered eating and I wasn't mindful about my eating. So that kind of started me to change the way I looked at food and the way I looked at health. Um, and I began to do more mindful eating practices, but I still, it took me a long time before I got to where I am now, because it wasn't until I met you actually, and you Guilty. started, <laughs> <laughs> and you decided to try the paleo diet, I remember, and you felt, you said you had so much more energy, um, and what the paleo diet was, was basically not eating any grains, not eating any gluten, not eating any dairy, no refined oils, um, but it was all whole foods. So I was a person who ate a lot of frozen packaged foods. So I stopped doing that and I started cooking a lot more. And I found a lot of yummy paleo recipes online and was able to make whole healthy foods taste great. And over time, my health improved. I gained more energy. I had chronic acid reflux since I was 15 and that went away. Uh, and it was really amazing to me. And over time, because food was actually nourishing me, I was able to learn my hunger and satiety signals. And and that's when I had the real breakthrough. Through I thought that when I lost weight at weight loss camp when I was nine, that was my breakthrough. But it wasn't until I started eating whole processed foods that I did have my real breakthrough. And that's why I wanted to start Body by Food to teach other people to do the same. Yeah, and... You bring up a lot of good points there. Number one being that I thought of is that women are so pressured to look a certain way, to act a certain way, and that really sets you up for or can set you up for failure with, you know, regards to nutrition and dieting. And that's one of the things that, you know, I've learned so much about from you is just how to be mindful about eating because although I'm lucky, I'm, you know, 6'5", and I don't I have a very fast metabolism, so I've never really had to worry about weight gain like that, um, there was definitely a point where I was not eating healthy, you know, and even as of recently, there are times where I overeat, you know, and I know that I'm doing that, but it's just hard to kind of keep a handle on it, you know. So how important do you think it is to choose methods of nutrition that are sustainable because like you were saying you know when you were nine and you went to that you know weight loss camp yes you lost some weight but it wasn't really a sustainable way of losing weight because as you said you were kind of starving yourself so how important do you think it is for women men you know any gender really to f to figure out ways for them to eat that are sustainable in my mind, it is the number one thing is figuring out what satiates you, figuring out what nourishes your body to its optimal, you know, performance, optimal nourishment makes you feel the best. 
that is the most important. And that is like a mindset I wanted to drill into people's minds that you do not have to obsess over food. You do not have to control your calories. You have this natural intuition that if you just accessed, you would be able to create the perfect diet for you because there is no one diet fits all. If you just access the perfect diet for you and access that intuition and listen, learn to listen to your body, you won't need to count calories. You won't need to even think about your portions. You'll just naturally fall into the flow of it. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned intuition there, which is a really good point as well, because I know you and I are both really big proponents of inner work, um, such as meditation, breath work, et cetera. Could you speak a little bit to how those methodologies and other ones that we do, like journaling, have been impactful in your life with regards to just your overall sense of happiness and fulfillment in life? Yeah, so around the same time I started the paleo diet, I started meditating more. I remember I took a transcendental meditation course, which you took with me, and it was really fun. And we both started meditating together, and we meditate now together, and it's just fun. Um, I started taking that course because I thought I sucked at meditating. I had a really busy mind. I had... I, never could understand the concept of clearing my mind. I had thought after thought. They were disorganized thoughts. It feels like a mess in my head, basically. Mm-hmm. And so I heard with transcendental meditation that it's really good for people who don't know how to meditate. It kind of teaches you how to do it. And in that course, they did teach you. And what they taught me was to come back to a focal point, which was a mantra. They gave everyone a mantra. Um, I'm not supposed to tell anyone. I have no it's idea why. Guys. It's a secret. <laughs> Uh, so I had my mantra and then you just keep repeating it in your head and other thoughts are going to come up and you have to know that that's okay. The point of meditation is not to not have thoughts come up. Thoughts are going to come up because you're human. The point is to let those thoughts go when they do come up, when you realize that they've come up and you're in the middle of meditating and you just refocus back on that focal point, which for me was that mantra. So for example, if the mantra was Om, and then I had the thought, oh, I have to go grocery shopping, I'd go right back to saying Om. Um, And that honestly, is part of why I have such good appetite control now, because it made me that much more in tune with my body. And meditating is makes life more magical. I almost feel psychic in some ways, because I when I meditate more, I just will get a feeling to do something in the beginning of the day. And then by the end of the day, there was a really good reason for why I had a feeling to do that. <laughs> and I'm very happy that I, I did do whatever I did in the beginning of the day, if that makes sense. <laughs> it's funny that you know, where I showed you the paleo diet, which was impactful for you, you are the one that, you know, like you said, signed up for that transcendental meditation course, which changed the course of my life. I mean, at that point, I had been dealing with ridiculous headaches for about a year every day, Um, just tension headaches that wouldn't go away, neck tension, and just chronic stress really is what it was and chronic anxiety. And meditation is literally what is, what is, you know, what has made me able to be doing this podcast right now, to be you know doing Highly Optimized, to have done pretty much everything I've been able to do in life the last three years because it was the ability to get over my monkey mind and just really like tune into my natural human abilities. Because like you were saying, the human body and the mind even knows what you want. But the problem is that we have a soul, we have a body, and we have a mind. And We've been led to believe that the mind is in control, you know, our ego self, like Rachel or Ryan, that's who we are, that's our, you know, that's our being. And really, what it should be is the soul in the lead with the mind and body as tools. So, 
you know, what meditation does for me and breath work and all of these modalities is they allow me to put my soul back in the driver's seat, which is so important because if we don't have our soul in the driver's seat, then how are we ever going to really know if we're ending up in the spot we're supposed to? Because the mind will lead you a bunch of different rational, logical ways, which is great sometimes. But, you know, like you were saying, there's certain times where, you know, my rational brain will be telling me to do X, Y, Z thing. And when I actually take a deep breath, like especially a box breathing style, where I'm actually able to activate that parasympathetic nervous system, when I come back to it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe I wasn't seeing like the elephant in the room of what my mind and body and soul really wanted me to do, you know. So with regards to body by food, what services do you offer with that? Like what, you know, what is your hopes for it? Um, what do you currently offer? And talk a little bit about the functional diagnostic nutrition training you're into because that is super cool and I've learned a bunch from it already. Okay, so with health, what I do with Body by Food basically right now is I do health coaching and I'm in training to be a functional diagnostic practitioner. Um, so for the health coaching, what I'm basically doing is digging into someone's life basically, digging into their health history and I'm coaching them through their own head, basically trying to get their soul to come out, trying to get their inner knowing to come out. Because the truth is, like I said, everyone knows the best diet for them. Everyone knows what they need to do to get healthier. They just can't always hear it because our brain's in the way. And our analytical brain, like you were saying, it is good for some things. Like if I need to do a math problem, I need to think about it. My soul isn't going to be like, <laughs> I'm going to show you the way to this math problem. Yeah. But there are ten but most of the time in life, like we don't need to solve math problems and we should really base our decisions off of a gut feeling. And some of us feel it in our gut. Some of us feel it in our throat. It just depends where you feel it. And so with health coaching, I help kind of guide people into following their soul so that they can, you know, make lasting, long lasting changes. Cause it really does all start on the inside. Um, cause like I said, for 17 years, I yo-yo dieted. And even if I lost weight, I might've looked good, but my inside, my mental state was a mess. And that is why my body would carry me back to gaining the weight again, because I can't overcome what's inside first, what's inside has to change in order for my outside to truly change. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing I'm doing with health coaching. Um, when I'm a functional diagnostic practitioner, I'm super excited for that because I'm going to be able to administer uh, lab tests on people or I'm going to be able to um, analyze lab tests that people do. So things that we do are like food sensitivity testing. Uh, we do GI mapping testing. So we'll test for parasites and bugs and bacterial imbalances. Uh, we'll do a hormonal panel and a stress test so we can see how your hormones are looking and cortisol. And then I'll also do a whole intake um, of the person and any other additional labs that we might need, like an intestinal permeability lab or whatnot. So first I get to know the person's health history um, and I understand like the symptoms they're having. But in functional diagnostic nutrition, we don't teach treat the symptoms. We get lab exams done so that we can make a correlation between why they're feeling so bad because we'll probably see on the lab test something's off and we're not going to either treat even treat the lab test. What we're going to do is treat that person as a whole. So then we implement a protocol. Um, it's called dress for health success. So the first thing we focus on is diet. We remove all food sensitivities they have and we figure out the right diet for their metabolic type. 
The second one is rest. We focus on the amount of rest they get and different ways that they can uh, incorporate more rest into their day. The next one is exercise, and that really depends on the different types of exercises that there are out there. Um, for example, like with women, our body changes a lot throughout the month, and throughout the month we should be doing different exercises. So we go over exercise. The next one is stress, ways to reduce stress, whether that be from a food sensitivity causing a physical stress, a past injury causing physical stress, or just stress in your daily life from work and family and life in general. And then the last thing we work on is supplementation because the soil these days, as you know, because me and you are both mm -hmm. soil nerds, soil nerds <laughs> and gardeners, yeah. um, is not as high as it used to be. And all our food, even if it's organic, doesn't have that as much nutrients as our food once did. And we're actually lacking a lot of nutrients in a lot of our food. And so most people do need supplementation. Um, so that's all the things that we go over in functional diagnostic nutrition. It's helped thousands of people. And usually within the first few weeks, symptoms that people have had for even 10, like forever, go away. And it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. Um, I really believe in functional diagnostic nutrition. It really focuses on treating the body as a whole, regardless of what the root cause is. Right now in today's society, uh, doctors, they tend to do sick care, like we talk about yep. all the time, and they treat yep. the symptom. And if you don't have something show up on a blood test, then they don't help you, mm -hmm. even if something feels wrong. And something's feeling wrong for a reason. Like I said, we're intuitive beings. So functional diagnostic nutrition will help heal your symptoms um, potentially, I can never make any promises, but <laughs> it will at least <laughs> make you print. feel better no matter what. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so even if you don't 100% heal, maybe you're a 90 out of 100. Mm -hmm. um, whereas in medicine now, they'll just treat the symptom and throw a medication at a symptom. And then those medications office often result in other side effects occurring. Um, and then they have to get a medication for that and that. And it's just a horrible cycle that never treats the root cause it's like the kick the can methodology you know it's like they kick the can just far enough along so that you can continue existing and then eventually there's going to be another symptom that comes up or a side effect and then oh don't worry we have the perfect pill for that and i've seen that you know i know both of us have seen that even in the holistic health which you know there are just certain methodologies that again are just going to throw supplements at you over and over and what i tell everyone is you know, supplements should make up 1% of your total being. And they're really what you do to fine tune your biometrics, if you will. Um, but you know, you're never going to out supplement yourself from a bad diet, you're never going to out supplement yourself from a chronic stressful life. Um, now, in terms of, you know, how human beings are supposed to be, we these days are so sympathetic nervous system dominant because, you know, we live in a society that's very fast paced. We have traffic, we have driving 80 miles an hour on highways. I mean, stuff that humans were essentially never really meant to do. Um, but now that we are doing that, what are some methods you have found um, that have helped you stay more parasympathetic, which for those who don't know, sympathetic is fight or flight. So it's greatly useful if a tiger is coming after you and you need to get away very fast. But if you just don't like a coworker, let's say, for instance, but you have to sit next to them every day and you get stuck in this chronic stress state, that's when sympathetic dominance can really do you a disjustice. Whereas the parasympathetic nervous system is your rest, digest, and relax system. So it's where all healing takes place, etc. So 
what are some, some what are some methods that you have found uh, most useful for yourself in your own journey that have allowed you to say parasympathetic dominance so you can allow yourself to rest and digest? Because mm-hmm. you know I'm a sympathetic dominant a lot. We all are. <laughs> Trust me. I live most of my life that way. You know so that. That's why I have to do these things so much, and they do make the biggest difference. And yeah. I can I can even speak from a place where I. You know, I, I do struggle with anxiety and depression, and it, it's a roller coaster throughout my life. There are times when I'm way down for a long period of time. It feels like I'm never going to come back up, and then I'm up again. So what usually, if I do get down there, it's usually because I'm not doing these few things I'm about to talk about. And then when I start doing them, it lifts my spirits back up. So the first thing I do, which we already talked about, was I meditate every day. Um, The second thing I do that's been really helpful for me, especially in the middle of the night, if I can't go to sleep, is I do breath work. And I specifically do Wim Hof's uh, style of breathing. So it's you breathe like... Like kind of like that. (laughs) Great example. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, And that... It calms me down more than meditation. It's almost like a fast track to meditation because it forces you to focus on a focal point, point in your breath, and then you're listening to a tape guiding you through. So if anyone's interested in doing that, you on YouTube, if you just look up Wim Hof Guided Breathing, I think the one we like doing is like the third video down, and it hasn't really changed. And his voice is just so amazing. I love Wim's voice, like just his way of, come on, keep going. Like I just, it keeps me going. Exactly. And you'll, you'll even if you just do one round, which is five minutes, you'll feel this sense of ease like just super calm and relaxed and it's it's really awesome um another thing this has made one of the bigger impacts in my life because it's taught me to slow down because I don't I'm fast I'm a fast person in everything I do I get anxious if I move slowly slowing down is just not my thing so I started to force myself to journal actually in the beginning of when this whole quarantine happened And I can't even tell you how big of a difference it's made on my life. I plan out my day. It helps me slow down in the morning when I feel most anxious, when my thoughts are super jumbled. I'm telling you, if you just write your thoughts down on paper, it helps ease your anxiety so much because when they're in your head, you feel like you have to keep remembering them. You're like, okay, then there's this, and then there's that, and then there's this. When if you just journaled them down and wrote your thoughts down, your brain's like, okay, that's written down. I don't have to... uh, remember that I don't have to keep reminding myself of that thought and it's just really helped me get my thoughts out of my head onto paper so I can take a moment for myself like a a breathing moment almost Um, and another thing we do which we do you do too with me now is I've been writing three things I'm grateful for every day and we have this text message group with Mm -hmm. our friend George and now our friend Ryan Reed I highly recommend it to everyone listening take your best friends make a group chat and say three things you're grateful for at the beginning of each day it makes the biggest difference because it immediately puts your focus where attention goes energy flows so if you train yourself to wake up and immediately think of what's going right man that is like a brain hack 101 that has just been so influential for me and it's amazing because if you wake up anxious and you have to think of some three things you're grateful for it might take you a second but you're digging deep for things that make you happy and that almost helps you overcome any anxiety you have because you just spent that time to dig deep and and think of things that make you happy and the cool thing about doing a text message group with another friend is 
you get to hold yourself accountable for, you know, saying things you're grateful for every day, but it also creates a great bonding opportunity between you and your friends. And it just makes you guys grow closer because you're, you have a, basically a text message group of positivity. Um, and it's just a really nice place to look back to. So the last thing that I do to relax, which I know I also got you on, is the CES therapy device. Oh, man, these things are awesome. That thing's insane. I remember I got it because I struggle with insomnia. Um, and this thing, ha- it's actually approved by the FDA. And it's been shown to increase serotonin um, levels by 50% decrease cortisol by 18% um, and increase sleep uh, or insomnia, um, anti-insomnia hormones basically by 25% and decrease pain by 98%. Um, I don't have any pain, so I don't know if I noticed the pain part, but wow. It definitely worked for me. It's like, yeah, yeah, so it works for you for pain. That's great. Um, In terms of anxiety, it's the second it turns on, it's like oh, you've been meditating for 20 minutes already. It's a wave of calm comes over you. can feel a little dizzy for some who aren't used to it. That's my favorite part of it. I know. It's <laughs> you kind of, kind of nice. feel lightheaded. Yeah, you feel a little lightheaded. Yeah. One person attributed it to, I don't smoke cigarettes, so I didn't really, I wouldn't have been able to come up with this analogy myself, but they said, oh, it's like I took a few days off from cigarettes and I took a hit of a cigarette. So it's actually been shown to help um, break addictions that you may mm-hmm. have too, so if you're a smoker, you might want to get a CES device. Now, what does CES stand for? Cranial, cranial electrostimulation uh, device. Mm-hmm. Um, so it sends little electrocurrent waves to your earlobe. So you put these little electrodes on your earlobes, and you put a gel underneath, and then you just turn the power up. And you'll, if you turn it up really high, you'll feel this pulse in your ear. Um, but otherwise, I always you like just, to turn it too high. <laughs> yeah, I know. You love turning it too high. But yeah. it's really nice all times of the day. And yeah. I really only do it 45 minutes a day. Sometimes I do it when I meditate. Sometimes I do it when I'm just sitting at my computer and working. And it kind of, it really focuses you in. It puts you in this flow state. So sometimes I do it when I'm writing. And some of the best stuff I write comes when I have my CES device on. So I'm just super in the flow, not overthinking anything. And I mean, I don't even consider myself a good writer, and I feel like it helps me be a better writer. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I wholeheartedly agree. You know, it's funny. I was only using it before bed, and which was great, but generally I have more anxiety when I wake up. I go to bed, like, I put my head on the pillow, and I'm out two minutes later. I know you kind of hate me for that. <laughs> but um, So I started using it in the morning recently. And with quarantine being here, it's given me a lot of time to kind of slow down, like you were talking about, where... God, do I need to slow down more? It's just, it's crazy how fast my mind will go sometimes, (laughs) Um, which I'm sure a lot of people listening, you know, feel me on that and feel you on that. So what I've been doing is going out in sunshine because one of the things I've been learning from uh, the new book I've been reading, The Align Method from Aaron Alexander, shout out to Aaron Alexander, you're (laughs) a boss. Um, But, you know, one of the things I've been learning from him is how important it is to go outside the second you wake up, basically, to activate your endocrine system and just do so many great things to your body and set yourself a success because, like, you know, historically speaking, that's what the body wants. You know, it wants to have vitamin D in the morning. It wants to have sunshine. It wants to have blue light 
light in the morning and then it wants to have darkness at night. Mm -hmm. So I've been using it in the morning and it's been amazing. It actually, you know, it's funny. It literally feels just like you said, where I put it on within the first two minutes, it feels like I've been meditating for 25 minutes and, and not just because some meditations are better than others. It Mm -hmm. feels like those times I meditate where I get so far out that I am literally the observer. Like I am just able to see my thinking body below me, just, you know, having thoughts whiz by and I'm just sitting up there like having a glass of kombucha or whatever, just (laughs) relaxing. (laughs) So, um, I know we talked a little bit about this already, but we didn't touch specifically on this particular subject, but routines, how important do you think it is to success and how important has it been for you to establish those morning and nighttime routines? Oh, it's vital, I think. So I notice days when I don't do my morning routine and how my whole day goes versus days when I do do my morning routine. Um, And my morning routine is really simple, but it's things that I don't necessarily want to do the second I get up, but the second I start doing them, I start to feel alive. I wake up, I feel better. And by the time I'm done with my morning routine, I'm ready to crush the day. So typically, like this morning, what I did was I got up, I walk around my block. It's almost two miles, so it's like a 30-minute walk. And then I meditate, and then I work out, and then I get my coffee ready. Um, I shouldn't be drinking coffee every day, but I do because I love it's it. Espresso, it's though, espresso, though, and it's organic, it's so great. and it's amazing, yeah. guys. Oh, my God. I, oh, my God. If you ever have the so chance good. to have Rachel make you an espresso, take it. Yes, take it. <laughs> I love making espresso for other people. Yeah, but um, amazing. It, it makes it's it's almost like a reward for me because I'm like, you walked, you meditated, you worked out. Now you get this coffee, and I sit with my coffee and I journal and I plan out my day, and I have so much clarity in my head in my head, and I feel so good because I just already accomplished so much in so little time before I've even started my day, that it's given me this sense almost that you have this like ability to keep going because like I don't know you feel this like fresh renewedness almost you have the power you have the power you just have so much more stamina um whereas if I don't do my morning routine I kind of feel bogged down a little bit I don't feel as clear in my head I feel a little bit more scattered um and I just don't feel The rest of my day just honestly doesn't flow as well usually so I do notice a huge difference between when I don't do my morning routine versus when I do. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny, you know, I hear Aubrey Marcus talk about this a lot, which you were mentioning, which is like, you know that you're going to feel better after you do X, Y, Z things, meditation, whatever. But it's funny how sometimes I get stuck in this thing where I know, like, I know if I do 20 minutes of breath work, I'll feel better. But for some reason, my mind will be like, nope, you don't have the time, even though I definitely have the time. There's 24 hours in a day, 16 after I wake up. And so it's funny how the human mind can do that. Now, to switch subjects a little bit, mm-hmm. um, I typically use the flow, like whether I'm in the flow or not, to kind of signal. It's one of my uh, methodologies to figuring out if I'm actually enjoying what I'm doing and if I'm on the right path in life. So how has the flow and the flow state helped you develop Body by Food and develop into the person you are today? It's funny because for years I wanted to start my own business. Both my parents have their own businesses and my whole life I knew I was going to do something on my own just because I know that I'm a hard worker and I know that I could do it and I don't want to work for anyone else. It just feels more fulfilling to have your own thing. And after college, all I did was work for other people. I got into finance and then I was in the cannabis industry for the last three years and I was working for someone else. And the whole time I was there, I thought of business idea after business idea. I can't tell you how many I implemented. It was almost like I was forcing it, being like, you have to start a business, so you might as well do this. Um, And 
it's funny, the day I started, I wanted to do body by food, it did feel like more of a flow state. You and I went to Maine that day. We had a really nice day. I felt really relaxed. And I was just like, you know, I really like nutrition. I want to start. You just started highly optimized. I thought it was an awesome account. You honestly inspired me to start Body by Food. You came up with that name, by the way. So just so everyone knows, (laughs) Rachel is credited for that. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Um, And I wanted to, you know, like... I went to school for nutrition and I always wanted to help people using nutrition and I kind of felt guilty the fact that I didn't do anything with it and I was like well at least you can start you know an Instagram and you can kind of share what you know and you can help people because that was one thing I really liked when I first got into cannabis was helping people pick out um, their cannabis and just giving them information on the plant and everything and I always wanted to do that with nutrition so I just started to do that and then over time Um, I was like, well, maybe I should be a health coach, but all the health coaching programs that I looked at, they just, they just didn't, they didn't, yeah, they didn't feel right. And I kind of grew a little anxious because I was like, okay, well, you started this Instagram, um, this could potentially be your business, but you don't know what your product is. And then I just kept being like, just don't settle on a health coaching program. You don't even know if that's what you want. And then one day, Actually, this was three months later after me looking for a health coaching program. I don't know if it usually takes people months to find a program. But, um, Slow and steady wins the race. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I just randomly came across functional diagnostic nutrition. I was looking something up, um, some sort of information, because I was going to make a po- like a blog post or something on it. And I came across it. And I read about their program. And I was like, yes, this is it. And honestly, it was what put me off from some of the other ones is how expensive they were. And I felt like they were just going to repeat my nutrition degree. And this one was even more expensive, but I felt like I was actually going to learn something new. Like I was, I just, the money didn't seem to matter to me. It, it spoke to me because it's what I had been looking for this whole time. And it was so different than all the other health coaching programs. And it was going to help me grow. And I think, and I knew that this was going to be the thing that finally cured my insomnia And I've been doing a little bit of things here and there from it. And my sleep has gotten better. And I can only hope that it is going to be cured um, in the next couple months as I go through the program. And that that was me doing a flow state. For so long, I was just like trying to find a health coaching program, trying to force it. And then when I stopped looking for one and I was just trying to do my work and make content, I came across one that was perfect for me. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because... um... (laughs) Rach and I have this funny thing where we love podcasts, and one of our favorite podcasts is Impact Theory. You know, and Tom Bilyeu, if he ever listens to this, you're amazing. Also, um, but <laughs> yes, I love you know, him. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's very short, straight to the point. Like his episodes are usually under an hour. They're pretty similar to like kind of how I format this podcast, where they're they're short, they're they're very very quick. Um, but one of my other favorite podcasts is Paul Check's Living 4D. And it's funny because his episodes are literally three hours plus, so they take a lot of time. And so Rachel and I have gone back and forth. She's like, you know, his podcasts are just a little long. And I'm like, I totally get it. But it was funny because when you started this functional diagnostic nutrition program, you called me the second it started and you were like, guess what the opening page had? And I'm like, what? You're like, a quote from Paul Check. Reed Davis, the guy who made this post, is a huge fan of Paul Check. And I just got such a giggle out of it because I was like, ah, Paul's infiltrating your life even if you weren't listening to his podcast. (laughs) It just like goes to show that the universe works in really magical and weird ways because since then, Paul Check's been mentioned a plethora of times. And I have to be honest, a year ago, I bought Paul Check's 
uh, HLC one health coaching course and I haven't taken it yet. Um, I don't know why I just was like, Oh, it's a small one. And I wanted to do, and I knew that it was, I knew I knew a lot of the stuff he talked about and I'm sure there's stuff in there I could still learn, but this whole course I'm going through now with functional diagnostic nutrition, because he's such a huge fan of Paul check. Um, I'm going to go do that HLC one course right afterwards. And I'm super excited about it. Yeah. And you know, it's funny you mentioned like the whole coaching thing because really like when I, started highly optimized or even before I started highly optimized, I knew again, like you, I was working in the cannabis industry and, um, I have a huge passion for cannabis always will, but I found that a lot of people that were coming in, uh, to the dispensary had a lot of other issues going on. And it was almost kind of like the supplementation thing we talked about where they like had a terrible diet. They weren't drinking any water. They were eating McDonald's and then they were expecting cannabis to solve all their problems for them. Right. And it wasn't like they were ignorant. They just, they just had no idea. You know what I mean? They just didn't know because a lot of people like, especially in Western culture, don't really understand that food is medicine. Hippocrates said it like so long ago (laughs) now, let food be thy medicine. Mm -hmm. Right. But that's been lost in translation in the modern day. And now it's actually, we're getting, it's coming full circle now. I mean, you know, the 80s and 90s, I think, were specifically when drive-throughs were, you know, were first invented or whatever. And it was kind of like, just get your food, food is function, you know, you just need to eat and get back to work. You know, you're only worth what you put in uh, hourly at a establishment, right? Mm-hmm. But it's funny because when I, when I worked at the dispensary, you know, I started giving people more tips. I was like, hey, well, you know, how do you move your body, you know, and and how, how much water do you drink? And, you know, are you, you know, what kind of food are you eating? Are you eating organic? And all of those things. And, you know, a lot of people were just like, I had no idea that organic mattered that much. I had no idea. And so I helped a lot of people that way, right? And I made a lot of great relationships and great connections. And it really gave me a sense of fulfillment that made me realize that cannabis was an essential piece of the puzzle, but it was not the full entire puzzle, you know? And so that was when I, again, got intuitive sense. I had always loved Czech and I'm a huge fan of pretty much everything holistic, but I just got this feeling, you just got to go take his HLC one course. And so I just got on the plane to San Diego alone and went and did it. And it was a friggin' blast. And I met so many amazing people through that program. And then, uh, two months later, I, and I had no idea that I ever wanted to be a coach. Like, you know, the whole life coaching thing was super cringeworthy to me because I felt like most people that were doing it had no place doing it. So I knew I didn't want to be a life coach, but I knew I wanted to help people get higher quality of life through, you know, holistic practices and modalities. So a couple months later, obviously, we had just come back from MJ BizCon, and, which is the biggest cannabis convention. It was a blast, but it kind of solidified the fact. I'm like, yeah, like the cannabis industry is just very – like it doesn't really line up a lot of my values, uh, like the legal industry anyway. Yeah. Um, because a lot of like the legal industry doesn't – they don't care about the plant. They just – they all they see is money. Um, and, That's true. That's why I just – yeah. Yeah. That's and, what made me love my uh, – lose my love for it. Yeah, yeah. And I'll always love the plant, but, you know, the legal industry just has needs some time to get it, itself figured out. But, you know, coming back to full circle of intuition, which is the reason I'm bringing all this up. <laughs> so um, when I started Highly Optimized, again, I had really no idea what I wanted to do, just kind of like what you were doing with Body by Food. And then a gentleman named Mark England, who I had on episode, I believe, four. So check that out if you haven't checked it out yet. Um who I had listened to a couple of years um, before on Tom Billu, on, on which Tom is Billu. amazing well, when you brought this up when he reached out to you. I was like, oh my god! Yeah, well, I started <laughs> just making these posts about just like kind of letting again flow state, just letting stuff flow through me, and I made this one in perspective, and I tagged him in it because.
because someone was like, oh, like you do some cool stuff with language and psychology. Where'd you learn this stuff? And I was like, well, I picked up a lot of tips from this guy, Mark England. Tagged him. He messaged me and was like, I think you should be a part of this program. And I joined and I just, I took the leap, you know? So I think coming full circle here, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of words to make this happen. But, you know, I think it's so important to remember that sometimes it's never going to feel like the exact right time. You just have to take the leap. Exactly. Yeah. And it, that's the thing too. You'll get a sense when something's not right at all. Um, just like when I was looking for all those health coaching programs, it just felt not right at all. It felt like if I spent my money on this, it just wasn't going to work out. But when I found this course, I wasn't sh- exactly sure, I was going to get something something out of it. Um, I knew I was going to at least no lab tests, but I wasn't sure if this is like the path I wanted to go. And as I've gone through the course, I'm almost done with it. It's or it's solidified that this was the right risk. The, it was a financial risk for me. It was the right risk for me to take, especially right now because I just quit my job. That's a big financial risk. So yeah. uh, it's already paying out and you just got to listen to your intuition and yeah. take the risk, like you said. And going back to taking the risk, I think that is a system, if you will, that can be trained, like getting yourself more able to take risks. And one of the things that I've done, and I know you do this too, that has helped me a ton is cold exposure. So what is the role that cold exposure has had in your life um, in regards to allowing you to push past fear and be able to take the leap of faith when you otherwise don't really know if you have the right footing to do so? So cold exposure to me is a little bit like meditation in a way, except for the cold is your focal point Mm -hmm. and you have to learn to relax through it. So what the cold has really taught me, and you can ask any of my friends, I used to be so much more of a pussy from the cold. Like it would be 85 degrees out. We're driving in the car, the windows are down and I'm cold and I want the windows up. So now I can drive in an 80 on an 85 degree day, windows down, no problem. She can even do like a 40 degree day, guys. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Imagine. <laughs> <laughs> so number one, it's really taught me to have much better tolerance for the cold. Um, but number two, what it teaches you, and I think this is kind of the most important thing it teaches you, is when you're faced with a really stressful situation, when you're extremely uncomfortable and all you want to do is run, it forces you to breathe through it and to relax yourself enough to get through that uncomfortableness. Um, and if you do that, then whenever anything else in life comes up that's stressful or um, that you feel like you can't handle, you just you know that you can get through it and you just learn to breathe through it just like you do when you're in the cold. And it's funny because I've been taking cold showers every day for the last year and a half or ending my hot shower with cold showers. Um, and I was scared to do an ice bath and I did an ice bath with you maybe like a month ago and I lasted three minutes and it was so much longer than I thought it was going to be. Uh, and I actually thought the ice baths were a little bit easier than the cold shower because the ice baths were kind of like, numbed you right away so you didn't really feel it yeah I got a little pain and like you know that cold pain you get but with the cold shower it's just constantly reintroducing cold to different parts of your body depending on where it hits Um, so I actually found going in the ice bath a little bit easier than going in the cold shower and you feel freaking alive when you get out (laughs) yeah 
It's like taking a double shot of espresso to the face. Yeah, plus there's so many health benefits. Like it can increase fat burning. Um, it can reduce inflammation. Lowers cortisol. Lowers cortisol. Like, well, because like we said, it trains you to get through stress. Trains your parasympathetic nervous system to be more dominant than your sympathetic. Exactly. Yeah. So it's and it creates more brown fat um, mm-hmm. in your body, which insulates you. Insulates you, burns more fat um, than. Then was it gray fat? I think or yeah, I think so. I'm not really positive. I I forget what the other fat's called. White fat, whatever color the other fat is, it's not as good as brown fat. (laughs) So um, on the opposite side of cold, I know you're also really big into hot exposure, and that's one of the things you got me into was Bikram yoga, which is one of my favorite loves and one of the things I've missed the most during this quarantine. Can you talk a little bit about how Bikram yoga has helped you in your life as well? Yeah, so you brought cold exposure to my life, and I brought heat exposure to your life. And heat exposure and putting myself in that uncomfortableness is the only thing I really knew. And honestly, I started doing Bikram yoga in high school because some celebrity did it. And I was in the, like I said, I was a yo-yo dieter back then. And I was like, oh, well, if a celebrity does this, I'm going to have the best body in the world. I'll have a celebrity body. So I started doing it. It's an hour and a half class. It's a 105 degree room, 40% humidity. It's the same 26 postures every time. So it's like a practice, which I really like. Um, I'm a person who like, I like to practice one pose and get really good at it. And honestly, I did it since high school And I got really good at it, and it's crazy what your body can do, especially with the heat and assistance and what your mind can overcome. In high school, Bikram used to be really hard for me. I would get out of that class, and I would feel like – actually, one time I got heat exhaustion. Which got to drink water, guys. (laughs) I drink too much water, I think. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. I was just too hot, and they – they told me in Bikram that I was never going to get heat exhaustion. Don't worry about it. So I just, I went home. I didn't feel good at all. So I just chugged a bunch of water and I just threw up for like 30 minutes. It, I, I actually had to take a month off of Bikram after that because it But we of, promise it's fun, guys, right? <laughs> I swear. <laughs> it's fun. But no, the point of my story is is I went through that in the beginning when it was really hard for me, but my body grew to be so much more resilient over time, and I could never see that happening to me. Now, honestly, the heat doesn't even feel that hot to me anymore. Sometimes I'm like, did they even put the heat on? And I always sit right next to the heating control. I don't know why. I just always put myself there. And I look at the heating control, and it's at the right heat, so... You, your body just has, learns to adjust. Your body's really adaptable, and it's not only maybe more flexible, but it gets really deep into your muscles, and it works on the fascia layer, and it can realign your body. So a really cool story that happened with Bikram. Um, I got my dad to do it for a while, and 20-something years ago, he tore all three ligaments in his knee, and he hadn't been able to sit on his knees for, like, 20-something years. And so he did a 30-day challenge doing Bikram with me. He did Bikram every day for 30 days. And by the end of the 30-day challenge, he could sit on his knees again, which is pretty incredible. You know, it's funny because that brings up a couple good things, which is the fact that the myth with human beings is that, oh, as we get older, we degrade, which is a myth. And if you look at people like Paul Check and you look at people like, you know, um, like your dad, for instance, you realize that 
it's really just a, if you don't move it, you lose it type thing, which is funny mm-hmm. because we hear that as we're a little, from when we're little kids and it's kind of just like, oh yeah, funny movie, you lose it. Let me just sit down <laughs> and hang out. And so one of the good things that Bikram did for me too, which to give you guys a little bit of background info about, you know, I've been in the fitness for a long time. Um, I've done a lot of P90X. I've done a lot of like, you know, challenging programs. And so I had done, you know, power yoga and other types of yoga, which I still love. But Rachel had mentioned, you know, like, oh, come to Bikram. And I was like, I got this, you know. So I go to Bikram and the second posture in, which is about 10 minutes into it out of the 90 minutes, I was like, what the hell did I get myself into? And But I got through that class and it made me realize like, wow, like that was a lot more crazy than I thought. But also the fact that, you know, which is what David Goggins always says, when we think we're at our max, you've only put in about 10%, you know, like you, you can go so much farther than what your mind is going to tell you because your mind is still trained in prehistoric times when you don't want to, you know, get rid of all that energy because who knows when you can get more food and water and et cetera. So your mind is going to lead you astray and you have to learn to rise above that. And one of the things that Aaron Alexander talks a lot about in this new book I was just reading too is the importance of nostril breathing in keeping your body parasympathetic dominant. And that was one of the things like when I just listened to this book, I was like, wow, Bikram was the first thing that taught me about the importance of only breathing through your nose. Because if you guys don't do Bikram, one of the things they tell you is that don't breathe out of your mouth. Because as soon as you breathe out of your mouth, your body starts to think fight or flight, and it starts to use way more energy and you start to lose oxygen. So staying in that parasympathetic state, once again, I know I'm like a broken record here, guys, but it's important. You know, that parasympathetic state is the key to being calm, cool, collected, and confident through all of life. So mm-hmm. training it, yourself is just so say, important. The funniest thing about you saying that too <laughs> is I never thought that I was like a good breather or whatever. Yeah. I, in fact, actually, because I, like I said earlier in the podcast, I consider myself a little sympathetic dominant and I have to do a lot of things to calm myself down. I thought I wasn't good at breathing. Um, but honestly, Bikram made me naturally an amazing breather because I did it for so long. I apparently I'm really good at breathing and I didn't know until the first time me and you and I had a date and I think we were cuddling and I was breathing and you're like wow you are really good at breathing and I was just like really yeah I always thought I was horrible and I really (laughs) think it's I attribute it to Bikram yeah and you know to give you guys an idea of like the my mind state at that time um that was like at the brink of like when my neck tension was like so overwhelming, you know, I'd lost my dad a couple years before and really never dealt with it. And so I was dealing with a lot of chronic stress that I didn't even really understand how to even look at, let alone how much was there. And the first time like we cuddled and I felt you breathe in deep and breathe out slowly. It was like, it just calmed me down. And I was like, wow. Like, and that was like my first, that God, that was like four years ago now or three years ago. Yeah. That was like my first introduction to breath period. You know what I mean? All I know before that is like, Hey, it's important to breathe so you don't die. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh so God, that's yeah. funny. I didn't even know that was your first introduction when you yeah. told me I was good at breathing. Yeah. I've never forgotten it. That yeah. You saying that to me, it's honestly gave me a lot more confidence in my ability to breathe. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's also like how it's just, it goes to show how our minds, again, will lead us astray. Your mind led you to believe you weren't a good breather. And then someone, an outside influence came in and was like, wow, you're a really good breather. Same way that I have this anxiety of not articulating my words correctly, right? And then you were one of the first ones who was like, wow, like, how do you like get your words out that way? And I had never heard that before. And so it really like challenged my kind of like 
whole paradigm on the fact that I wasn't a good speaker, you know, Mm -hmm. and nowadays, obviously I do the podcast. I'm actually just joined level two of the Unlifted uh, certification from Procabulary, which is teaching you how to be a good public speaker because you got to run towards fear, you know. And I think like one of the things that I love about you saying that right now is we talked about this last night. I always thought you and I were the same person, but we are different in a core way. And you know how they say opposites attract? I think in relationships, this is something I realized, in relationships, I think you do have to have a sense where you're, you know, similar enough to the other person because you have to, you know, be able to bond and have fun things to talk about. But in a core way, you're super good at being social. You're super good at attracting a crowd and talking and um, being someone someone wants to listen to. And I'm not super social. I consider myself a little bit more introverted. Yes, I can be good at talking to people, but since I started dating you, <laughs> I felt like I suck at talking to people because you're so good at it. Um, and then last night you brought up to me that I have really good staying power. I'm really good at not having to be around people and get work done on a computer. And you felt jealous of me about that. And I was like, wow, our whole relationship. I even went to therapy over this. I like <laughs> compared myself to you that I wasn't social. I think I need to be more social there's something wrong with me but really me and you have just been helping each other grow in that way where you're teaching me to be more social and outgoing and I have and I'm kind of teaching you how to be more organized and have more staying power and we talk you know what I'm saying we talk through that no absolutely Um, and I just thought of that when you just said that because I was I think that's important too well I'm glad you brought that up because you know I I know how important, like, the relationships I've had in my life, friendships, obviously you, um, my family support, whatever, have been in me becoming the person I am today. But what role do you feel that relationships play in your life, like having the right people around you? um, How important do you think that is in reaching your full potential? I think it's important to have relationships. Um, They say that having relationships and not feeling lonely is extremely important to your longevity and happiness. And we have a pandemic right now where people, it's not just coronavirus, it's a pandemic of loneliness. Um, And actually our death rate has now decreased a few years. And I think it's partially because, and they attribute it partially to the fact that we in America were more stressed, but also this stress has driven us apart from each other. It's made us have to do more work on our own because we're constantly feeling like, we need to make it and we need to like do the big American dream and everything. And then we push other people away because it's this, you know, one man for himself. I got to make it. Exactly. Type thing. I got to cut down the people around me to yeah. get ahead type thing. Yeah. And so I think relationships are extremely important. And I think that's why I had that anxiety comparing myself to you when I felt like you were better at forming relationships. But I've realized there's. We're, we're all different people. And while you gain energy from a lot of people, I gain energy from having a, a couple or a few really close friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and I used to think that was a bad thing. But over time, I've realized that that's just who I am. And I, I should be grateful that I know who I am. And I've gotten so much value out of the few friends I have. And I don't think that I would get the same value out of having a lot of friends like you would have. Like you get a lot of value having a lot of friends. That would stress me out. So I think it's really important to have relationships, but you don't need to have a million relationships. Exactly. Just (laughs) having the right people around you, regardless if it's one or a hundred, is so important because, you know, we are creatures of, of, you know, sociability. We're social creatures. And if we don't have the correct support system around us, I mean... 
this pandemic has really shown, I mean, I'm a very social person. So I already knew that I needed this to be around, mm-hmm. like to, to be my full self. But I think it's shown a lot of people just how important it is to have relationships because when they're taken away from you, it's it's not the same existence, you know? No, and I've been talking, it's funny because since quarantine happened, like so many more people reach out to me and it makes me really happy. And I think that thought alone is really important to focus on. Like why for so long did we not reach out to people? Because we're too busy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there's there's something missing in all our lives, and it is that connection. So why not take five minutes out of your day to check in on someone and see how they're doing? I know that this just started to happen, this quarantine, but I would love to see that continue past quarantine. And I'm hoping and I feel like this whole pandemic is transitioning us into a new way of life and a new way of us having relationships and a new way of living. And I think it can be super positive, Absolutely. Especially with this whole, you know, anti-racism thing that's going on, too. That's another positive thing that's happening. People are opening their eyes. We're having compassion for other people. We're putting... We're joining together. We're joining together in so many ways right now. Um, And I think that's a really positive thing that's coming out of this whole thing. And I think that's one of the best parts of, you know, you and I both starting our own ventures is the fact that you know, they talk about this a lot in like tribal societies, everyone was good at doing one particular thing. Like one guy was the shaman who he would not make any money. He would sit in the woods and go astral travel out into the universe and bring his teachings back for other people to benefit from. And then there'd be one guy who was great at making axes or whatever. And he would make a lot of, you know, money, let's say, or, you know, be able to trade for food or whatever. And there was the hunters. And so everyone had their own thing they were doing, right? But in modern society, like you were talking about, we've all been driven to be so independent that I feel like we've all been well-rounded to death, right? Where all of a sudden, like, you know, because you're not super social, you're like, am I a failure? And because I'm not good at sitting on a computer very long, I'm like, am I a failure? And I think what we've started to realize is that by building these communities back up, we can we can do anything in life. I mean, you know we all have friends that are good at doing one particular thing. One guy's the really good at networking. One person's really good at, you know, getting the business side of stuff done. And if we come together as humanity, who knows? I mean, there's no limit to how great life can be, but it, you know, like you were saying, things need to break down before they get better. Exactly. It's just like when you exercise and you build a muscle, Yes. you ex when you exercise, you're tearing down that muscle. But then after you exercise, that muscle repairs and gets stronger Mm -hmm. than it was before. It's that anti-fragile methodology. Um, where basically whatever, the more stress you throw at something, the stronger it comes back at you. Like that whole saying, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. It's so true. And to your point of us all having our own place in this world, it's so true. Like never feel guilty about who you truly are because you have an extremely vital role in this world. And just because you're not like someone else, that's a good thing because that person will fill that void in the world. You're going to fill... Whatever the world needs, whatever you can provide, that's your, your fulfillment. So we should all, we honestly, we all have the ability to reach full fulfillment because we're not competing for the same role. We're all so unique. We all have our own unique role to contribute. No one is ever going to be born with the same fingerprint as you. And that's one of the most important things that I always tell myself is that 
you know, like you were saying, we all have the ability to discover our unique gift that we have a unique spin on that we can give the world. And I think that's one of the most beautiful aspects of life that's been lost in modern day society. Because like I said, we've all been well rounded to death and, you know, led to believe that if we don't want the particular life where we work for 40 years, and hopefully we get a pension and blah, 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 then, then pretty much we didn't do life the correct way. And I think that's one of the greatest parts of our generation that's really blowing that all to pieces is the fact that like, you know, if you want to go sell hot dogs on the beach in Hawaii and that's your thing, go do that. Mm-hmm. Like that's your, if that's your why, go do that. But figuring out your why is so essential. And that's again, why I, we speak both of us, you know, to all of our clients about the practicing of inner work, because, you know, we are called human beings, not human doings. And there's a very big reason for that, like that. because yeah, like it's so important because when we're actually able to be, we're connected and tapped into the source of everything and all things. And so when we're able to slow down and take a breath and have intuition feed us instead of our, you know, monkey minds, we're able to more accurately figure out what our unique gift is and where we're going to find that fulfillment in life. Exactly. And I truly think inner work is the basis for health. If you want to get healthy, if you want to lose weight, if you want to, if your doctor's like your cholesterol is really high, you need to bring that down. Your blood pressure is really high. You have this. If you want to start a new health program, like a new nutrition program, it all starts with working on your inside first and and getting right inside. Because otherwise, like I said, you're going to end up yo-yo dieting because your body will fight you the whole way. Your brain, what you're thinking inside, your body reflects whether you want to believe that or not. Our outside is a direct reflection of what's going on inside. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why mindset, whether it be in life or getting healthy, is, is crucial. I love it. Mm-hmm. So where can people find you to connect with you and find out more about you? So right now I have a couple places. You can either check out my Instagram. That's mainly where I post most of my content. And that's at body.buy.food. And then I have a website um, where you can go check that out. You can also sign up to join my wait list for functional diagnostic nutrition therapy. Um, and that is at body-buy-food.com. Awesome. So if people had to make one change and only one change to highly optimize their life, what would you suggest that be? What would I suggest that be? I'm like journaling, meditating, or breath work. Let me think. I'm going to say meditating because that will make you more in tune with your body. And when you let your soul lead the way, you're going to be on the right path no matter what it is you want to do. Oh, yeah. Okay, guys and girls, if I haven't made it painfully obvious already with this episode, make sure you do not miss out on what Rachel brings to the table. Although her specialty is women's health, she has a plethora of useful information for both men and women that can help you rise to the top of your game. Bottom line, if you're serious about your health and are looking to get the top performance out of your body and mind, she is an invaluable resource in getting there and staying there. Rachel, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. It's amazing how even though we spend so much time together, I always manage to learn something new from your expanding pool of knowledge. Until next time, everyone, journey well. Namaste. Much love. Much love. Peace.
What is up, everybody? I hope you are all enjoying the show, and I wanted to stop by real quick and share a little bit about our latest podcast sponsor, Freedom Builders. Now, Freedom Builders are a team of graphic designers, website creators, videographers, social media marketing experts, and coaches that build out your custom online business from A to Z. This is a done-for-you service, which means they do the work for you while you get to put your focus back on what you love most, which is coaching your clients and bringing in sales. Now, as a former online fitness coach, Mike knows where your struggle points are and exactly how to help you overcome them. This is why he created Freedom Builders, so that you can scale your business while protecting your time and your energy. Now, you guys know that delegation is a business superpower, and you can activate this superpower today by scheduling a complimentary call with Mike at freedombuilders with a Z on the end.com so you can start building the freedom that allows you to take your business to the next level. Alex and I recently connected with Freedom Builders for our Connect with Cannabis build out, and we could not have been happier with the results. With Mike and his team, they were able to go through an outline and create a personalized program for our experience, develop our brand identity, build and design a custom branded webpage, professionally edit our program video content, custom design all of our slide presentations, automate our email marketing sequences, create a seamless payment system for our offer, design unique infographics for our social media content, and guide us through our proven launch blueprint to generate organic leads through our social media. So if you're a coach, facilitator, or healer listening to this ad right now, and you are looking to put freedom back into your life, once again, go to freedombuilders, with a Z on the end, .com, and book your complimentary call today. I hope you all enjoy the rest of the show, and I'm wishing you the best day ever.